Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Hey guys, it's Mark. And I'm Charity. And welcome to the Case Watch Podcast. Case Watch deals with content meant for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case Watch. Confirming the body found in Grand Teton National Park is Gabby Petito, and she was killed. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder. Late today, Chris Watts was officially charged with the murders of his wife and his two young girls. Remember these words. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. This here, Billy Bob. I've been a fan of Case Watch True Crime Podcast all the way since you guys were talking about that bald guy who was a douchebag. He was a doozy. I tell you what, I absolutely love myself some Mark. That charity seems a little sketchy. I'm not sure if you guys like her or you're going to replace her. And uh, What? What? I was playing, it, playing the voicemail. Mark? Oh, that is that your... is you. That is uh, not a voicemail. That was not cool, guys. Please send more voicemails because we cannot have this. We cannot have this happen. <laughs> that was like Mark's funny haha of all time. Mark just thinks he's so funny, guys. That was actually pretty funny. So, guys, the last the last episode that we did was so douchey and so sad that I thought for this episode this week we need to start it out with something uplifting. Uplifting, Charity? What do you mean? Well, Mark, I talked to you a little bit about what was coming. Yes, you did. And Mark decided that it would be really cool to have a little jingle that went with this. It's Triple D's, but it's a special edition of Triple D's. All right, you ready? Yep. You've been hit by, you've been struck by a nude criminal. 
Guys, amazing. My neighbors are probably looking out going, what is this dude's issue? Mark's right. Instead of smooth criminals, this is nude criminals. The nude. best kind. Nude. Mark likes when I say that. Nude. Nude. I'm going to get right into it because these are good. Because apparently they did. Whoa. <laughs> That's so what we, she said. We have oh, to, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Where's mine? Where's mine? It's underneath your laptop. I can't find it. God. Oh, that was aggressive. My, why is my button so much more aggressive than I don't yours? Know. Do you have? Does yours do different ones? That's what she said. Uh huh. Uh huh. I have a couple. That's what she said. <laughs> That's what she said. That's, That's my favorite one. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Again, people are now unsubscribing. But here we go. Hey, it's all good. We have done many triple Ds, and a few of them are criminals that are in the nude, as I like to say. Even though these people still technically fall into the stupid criminal category, I think it should be noted the confidence level it takes to walk around in your birthday suit. Um, Mark, you may not find all of these people to be criminals, actually. We'll just have to wait and see. Funny nude Mark story. Oh, no. So Kristen knows the second she leaves. He gets naked. Yeah, so if she, like she's gone for the weekend, it's called Mark doesn't put clothes on for the entire time unless oh he has God. to leave the house. Well, sometimes I when I walk and record, I'll be like, "Your pants are on, right, Mark? You got clothes on." <laughs> so like it, she, I, oh my God, I, this is funny because it's true. Is she gonna not enjoy that you're sharing this? Story? Oh, she doesn't care. Oh, okay, she doesn't listen. Are you kidding me? That's true. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'll tell her. <laughs> And she'll, she'll remember this exactly. I had mixed up the weekends that she was going to New York to visit her family. And I was so excited <laughs> for like four days. And she's just like, I remember like Tuesday, she's like, that's odd, but okay. Marcy's <laughs> really happy. And then like Wednesday, Thursday, and then like Thursday night rolls around and she's like, you're like really, really excited. I'm like, I can't wait to just be naked all weekend. Nice. She's like, oh, well, that's going to be really awkward with me and my kid around all weekend. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? You're going to New York. And she goes, uh, no, dummy, that's next weekend. Oh, you, you had your nude weekends wrong. And I was like, I have to work all next weekend. In clothes, wearing clothes. I'm like, this isn't fair. Can you like call your parents and say you want to go this weekend instead. She's like, but it's my niece's birthday, so like we kind of can't go this oh. weekend. I like that you had the conversation with her, though, to see if you could you could still get your nude weekend. I was like, can you just switch? <laughs> That's what happens over here at the uh, Baudry household. Yeah, guys, so uh, if you ever come over to visit, you should probably just make sure Mark's wearing clothes. Yeah, or not. Okie dokie. be more fun. Oh, well, let's just get in to this. The first one. That's what is- she said. Oh. Um, have you ever been camping? All the time. Okay. Love camping. Many of us have, and it is a fun outdoor activity to do alone with a significant other or with the entire family. That is, until little Johnny sees a nude person walking around. <laughs> <laughs> Campers at a popular campground in Pennsylvania were enjoying their time in nature when a man named Barry M. Creedler was seen walking around wearing nothing but his shoes. Guys, at least he had his shoes on to protect his feet. He wasn't just porky pigging it. He was just no. pigging it. The concerned campers dialed 911, and when the police arrived, um, they arrested Barry and charged him with indecent exposure. The reason for Barry's walk in the nude is unknown. I wonder if he had to sit in the clink with all of his parts just hanging out, Mark. Aren't there campgrounds for peeps that want to be in the nude? Like a Ew. nude campground? Right? There is. Yeah. Yeah, they're all Barry over Barry should have just gone there, and then he could have saved himself some trouble. 
right next to one of the racetracks that I work at, yep, behind I, it. Yep, I know is, exactly which one you're talking about. Is the uh, the nudist park? <gasps> Should we go visit? I don't think they would let us in. Why? Because I think you have to be a member. Really? I think so. You can't just spend a nude weekend. I, I I'm not quite sure. What if I've you're interviewing? Hold on, guys. This is a good question. I think. What if you are interviewing different nude areas to hang out? You got to check it out and experience it before you become a member and pay member fees and stuff, don't you? All right. Here's the thing. Before I got fatter, I've always been slightly fat, <laughs> but now I've gotten fatter. Like I wouldn't care three years ago if somebody saw me naked, but the vid did me wrong. I use that as an excuse because I never actually stopped working the entire time. And I went to work every day. So I wasn't one of these people that stayed home and got fat. <laughs> I still went to work and got fat. So I had to put effort into That's it. That's quite I an accomplishment. I wouldn't mind if people saw me naked three years ago. Now, like, I almost feel like I need to shut the light off in the Stop. bathroom when I get out of the shower. Because oh, no. you've been in my bathroom. So you know when you open the shower curtain, you're looking at the massive mirror over the sink next I to do. you. I do. And I, I'm always like... I did this like the other day when I jumped out of the shower. I was like, ah! <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's me. And Kristen goes, what's the matter? I'm like, I saw myself. Oh. And she's like, cut it out. Oh. Like, but it's true. You got to start rollerblading again. <laughs> They're actually on the porch. I, I don't think my weight could <laughs> sit up straight on rollerblades at this point. Oh, that's God. a lost cause. That was a, that was a, every time I decide I'm going to make a dumb decision, Kristen looks at me and just says, rollerblade. Oh, that's good. That's I'm a good like, significant other. I get it. Yep. Know your limits. Yep. Know your limits. Start I out. Get it. Start out small. Start out small. Start out just by walking around your little circle. Walking did not seem as much fun. I had a need, a need for speed. Oh, guys, here we go. All right. All right. Continue. All right. Oh, wait a minute. Continue with a nude criminal. <laughs> this next nude criminal activity took place in Florida. Shockingly, of course, Florida man says. <laughs> A man named Daryl Horn, along with his friend Matthew Schreider, decided it would be a great idea to steal a rowboat, one that had no paddles. Oh, boy. This was their first mistake. The police were called to come and apprehend the thieves. Upon arrival, Daryl and Matthew were seen using a rando piece of wood as a paddle. Clearly, this Wait a minute. A rando piece of wood or a piece of their wood? (laughs) Just a rando piece of wood. The creeps can think whatever they want. Clearly, this method was not working very well because the police easily caught up to them. The two were told to get back to shore immediately. Daryl's response to the police order was simple. He took off all his clothes and jumped into the water. Daryl must not have been a very fast swimmer because the police were able to catch up to him, cuff him, and slice him in the back of a police car, wet and nude. Hey, at least he took his clothes off because he didn't want to get them wet. Somebody should probably tell Daryl that Seinfeld episode, the cold water makes you shrink, buddy. Don't yeah. jump in the water. Hope there were no body cams used. Oh. Oh. Daryl was so pissed they got caught, he clearly needed someone to blame. So he took it out on his friend Matthew, who was sitting right next to him in the it's cop car. It's always fault. Only he had clothes on. So Matthew still had his clothes on. He started yelling at Matthew and kicking him. Matthew yelled at him to stop kicking and a police officer got involved. He threatened to use his taser on Daryl if he couldn't calm down. What was Daryl's reaction to this policeman's threats? Well, he dared him to tase him. And that's just what the cop did. (laughs) It is said that Daryl did apologize to the officers and thanked them for tasering him. (laughs) Although, Game, set, 
match. Although his apology didn't get his charges dropped. Or Matthews. I love these people. That was definitely a nude criminal. That was a nude. That one was a nude criminal. Yeah. 35-year-old Connecticut man. (laughs) Oh, boy. I always know they're going to be good when you can't even make it into the first sentence without giggling. Willie Hayes. (laughs) I mean, if you're going to be naked, at least have a name like Willie. (laughs) Had a fun activity to do in the nude. And no, Mark, it's not what you think. You see, Willie decided to break into a house in the buff to steal some things. There was a slight problem with his execution. The owner of the house's 15-year-old granddaughter walked in and caught him in the act. She saw naked Willie in his Willie standing at the top of the stairs. (laughs) When when Willie saw her, he growled at her, thinking that would be enough to scare her away. It didn't work. I'm a big naked bear. (laughs) This brave teenager told him to leave and he ignored her. There must not have been too much that was scary about him. Catch my drift. (laughs) Oh, I see what you're putting down. He ignored her and first walked into the bathroom, um, then into her grandmother's room. The granddaughter called the police right away. The girl witnessed Willie removing a flat screen TV from the wall saying, your mom owes me money. He then walked the TV outside and put it in the van. All while naked, guys. All right? And now I have to know, does the mom actually owe him money? Hold on. He had to go back inside because he needed the remote. <laughs> if he had had pants on, he could have put the remote in his pocket. I'm just saying. Like, There's another spot he could have put it. Ew. When Willie came back outside with the remote, the police arrested him. Why would this naked man of mystery have been in the house stealing a TV? Nikki. Come to find out, he had met a woman at a bar the night before, and they went to the house to do drugs and have sex. Apparently, the woman was house-sitting for the owner of the house. I have a couple of thoughts. First, (laughs) be careful who you ask to take care of your house when you were away. Second, we now know why he was naked. He must have thought he was going to get more action. So having no clothes on allowed him to be ready to go at a moment's notice. So I think he put some thought into that, Mark. No? Do you remember the commercials? Real men of heroes. No, real men of genius. Yes. Real men of genius. Mm-hmm. This is naked men of douchebaggery. Oh, I like I mean, it. Come on, guys. This last one is right up your alley, Mark. <laughs> now you scare me. 23 year old Joshua Green was at a NASCAR race in Bristol, Tennessee. And from the sounds of it, he had a great time. I'm gonna I'm gonna paint a picture. Are you ready? Eyes are closed. The weather's beautiful. Yep. The parking lot is packed, full of spectators who have a love for NASCAR. Yep. There was even a live band getting his eyes are really closed, guys. Yeah. There was even a live band getting everyone amped up just as everyone was minding their own business, enjoying the entertainment. Yep. Here comes Joshua, buck naked. He took a full streak around the parked, the packed parking lot, making sure everyone got a nice view of whatever he was packing. <laughs> he even shook his naked booty to the music. All right. So I got to stop you. <laughs> I see nothing wrong with this. Okay. Okay. I have been to countless races up at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. And there's nudes. The things that go on in the parking lots... In the camping areas at said track. Oh. 
you you need to just go. Okay. They're I don't know how to say this. They're an interesting uh, group of there's a lot participants called X lot. They've now renamed it to something else, but that, right. that was the name of the lot back then. That just debauchery unfolded in. Oh. Things would be lit on fire. People would be running around naked. Okay. They had, um, I'm trying to think of how to describe it. They had a, a a sheet of plywood with like U-shaped holes cut out with different sizes, if you get my drift. Okay. That you would come up and girls would measure on. And then depending on what size you fit into was how many beers they would give you. Oh. Like this is nothing. This oh. is... This is just well, called weekend. This at does racetrack. this does take a little turn that you might find not to be okay. Okay. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with BetMGM. You'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. So, you know, it sounds like there was quite a show going on. Joshua was just sure he was showing and shaking and doing it all. It gets even more interesting, though. Joshua took off on foot in his birthday suit. Police on the scene found the naked man. Police on the scene, you know what I mean? If there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ charity revolves it. <laughs> the police on the scene found the naked man's car. Inside, they found his girlfriend and as I like to say, a raccoon. Whoa. I don't know what's going on here. It's like a yep. turn. You heard me right. A raccoon. Some of the police worked on getting the raccoon out of the car while others were busy apprehending and arrested Joshua, who was found in a nearby neighborhood. I have so many questions. Yeah. I have I have very, very weird thoughts in my head now trying to figure out what was going on. <laughs> it's been said that not only could he be charged for his nudity stunt... Um, he and his girlfriend could also be charged for taking an animal against its will out of its natural habitat. Whoa. 
that that took a twist. That took a little twist, Mark. I'm going to say it because, you know, come on now. Why was he naked with a raccoon? I want to know where the raccoon came from. That's my question. The nakedity could have been alcohol. He was hot. Um, just liked to show he off his stuff. He just listened to that song. It's getting hot in here. So take could off have been, all your clothes. Could have been anything. But the raccoon. And I love that we keep saying raccoon. The raccoon I can't fathom how a raccoon ended up in the car. I want to know how the raccoon ended up in the car. <laughs> I want to see how many more times we can say raccoon. Raccoon? Yeah, that one. All right, move the on. Raccoon. So um, I do have a case today, and it's about a man named Clifford Robert Olson. Sounds like a nice name, right? See, it doesn't. Okay. Because usually when you have three names like that, it's usually negative. Oh. It's three first names. Olson's a first name. Yep. Robert and mm-hmm. Clifford. Mm-hmm. Yep. Think of all the three uh, three first name people. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Anyways, let's just get into it like I like to say. Clifford Robert Olson was born in Vancouver, British Columbia on January 1st, 1940. He was a New Year's baby. Isn't that good luck or something? It's supposed to be. Yeah. His birth announcement actually made it into the local paper, celebrating the fact that he was a New Year's baby. So his life started out great. Congratulations. Yay. He was one of four children. His father was a milkman, and the family lived in Richmond. I couldn't find much about his early childhood, but it's been said that he grew up in a loving, stable family. No abuse was reported by anyone. Um, as Clifford started to go to school, it was noticed by many that he had quite the attitude problem, walking around thinking he was better than everyone. That's never a that's never a good thing, right? Nope. He was also referred to as a bully. He was known to steal, probably candy bars, etc. Anything a child might want that their parents would not let them have. He would, that's another thing I hate is thieves. Yeah, I don't like thieves either. He would pick flowers from people's backyards, then try to sell them. To the said person, he stole them from. <laughs> That's ballsy. I would be so pissed. Like, literally, probably with like the dirt hanging off the bottom of them still. Oh, so, so sorry. She's I was not really. I sorry. was demonstrating the dirt, right? <laughs> that looks like something a lot different than dirt. What Ew. she were just doing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> glad there's no camera in here. Well, sometimes I wish they were. Right. He must have gotten a rush out of getting away with such a, de- de- a devious act. Sounds like a butthead, doesn't he? Just like a little butthead. Just put yourself. All right. Let's change the subject line and stuff like that. You. Oh, my God. I, it just makes me so mad thinking this. One of your prized possessions is stolen from you. And then you see somebody selling that same exact thing online. I would want to kick their behind. But even worse, he's selling it back to the person he That's stole what I'm it saying. from. It's horrible. I can't. It's uh, come on. Like many other bad eggs we have talked about, Clifford was known to hurt cats and dogs. He took it upon himself to skip school, and by the time he was 15, he had failed the same grade more than once. Uh-huh. This led to him dropping out of Campbell Junior High, allowing him to have all the free time in the world to act badly. This was in 1956. He wasn't very good at being a full-time criminal because in July of 1957, he was caught breaking and entering and stealing. He was sentenced to nine months at the New Haven Borstal Correctional Center. I'm sure this smartened him up and made him into a model citizen, right? I'm guessing that's why we're reading about him right now. Yeah. 
Clifford was able to break out of jail over and over, but he was always captured and thrown back in. <laughs> like this, these people. In 1976, he was back in serving time for his acts as a con artist. He had a roommate this time. His name was Gary Francis Marco, an apparent child murderer. Clifford behaved well during his stint in the clink and was even able to convince authorities to let him be an informant in exchange for a lighter sentence. See, this is what I don't understand about these people, right? So this dude was arrested for con artist. He's been in and out of jail. He escapes jail, but he was able to convince them to let him be an informant. I always laugh because they always say, you know, snitches get stitches and all this stuff. All these guys are rats. Oh, you mean oh, I, I get out yeah. easier and quicker and yeah. I get preferential treatment? Absolutely. Bunch of losers. Uh, he was told to get information about out of Gary about a little girl he allegedly murdered. Clifford was able to not only get Gary talking about the murder, but he also even got him to write a confession. He would later say that this his many discussions with his cellmate about young children and murder enticed him into becoming sexually interested in children and murdering them. That's not how that works. Um, I guess it did in his case. He blamed he blamed that dude. Losers. Clifford had gotten a reputation as a sexual predator and snitch from his fellow inmates. Oh boy. Those are not things you want no, to be known for. No, those are two very bad things to be known for. So he must have started messing around with other inmates in a sexual manner after hearing all the gross info from his pedophile murdering roommate. Ew. By the time he was released back into the world on September 7th, 1980. He already had 90 convictions against him. 90. Nine zero. 90. What the heck? I suppose someone like him is who we should think of when we think of a career criminal, right? Ever since he was a kid. I think that's exactly what it is. On November 17th, 1980, a 12-year-old girl from Surrey, British Columbia was kidnapped. Her body was found on Christmas Day of that year. She had been stabbed many times and strangled with a belt. This was the start of a reign of terror against children. Somewhere around this time, he met Joan Hill and knocked her up. Great. He was a very busy boy. A 13-year-old girl from the area named Colleen Dagnalt went missing on April 16th, 1981. That'd be Daniel. Yeah? Yep. Oh, sorry. My bad. Guess this monster wasn't thinking of his own baby while abducting and murdering these children. 16-year-old Darren Johnson went missing from a mall on April 22nd, 1981. His dead body was found about two weeks later. Clifford and Joan got married in May of 1981, a month after they welcomed their son into the world. To say the community was terrified was an understatement. Parents made sure their doors were locked and paid extra attention to their children. Clifford didn't seem to pay any attention to the fact that the community was on alert. He just kept on going. Because they're on alert because of you, you loser. Yeah, but I think he probably got, like, uh, he probably fueled him. Like, oh, loved it. I'm the one who's responsible for this and they don't even know. I'm just living among the community. Scumbag. May 19th, 1981, 16-year-old Sandra Wolfsteiner was hitchhiking home from her boyfriend's house. Guess who picked her up? Oh, boy. Yep. Clifford brought the teenager to a wooded area and murdered her after doing God knows what to her. On June 21st, 1981, 13-year-old Ada Anita Court went missing when she was on her way to hang out with a friend. She was later found murdered. These poor little kids. 
July 2nd, 1981, nine-year-old Simon Partington had some breakfast and then hopped on his bike and headed to a friend's house. He never arrived and was found dead, raped, and strangled. So he didn't care, boy, girl. Unbelievable. Yep. July proved to be a very busy month for the sicko. On July 9th, 14-year-old Judy Cosma was offered a ride from Clifford. She was on her way to a job interview at a local Wendy's. She took the ride, and when she got into the car, an 18-year-old boy named Robert Ludlow was already inside. I'm guessing he was also offered a ride. They arrived to the Wendy's with lots of time to spare before Judy's interview, so Clifford did what any other good Samaritan would do. He offered the two teenagers drugs and alcohol. Yay, what a great upstanding citizen. It must have been Robert's lucky day because he was spared and dropped off at a local mall. Judy wasn't so lucky. Clifford raped her, then strangled her to death. I wonder why he spared the 18-year-old. Makes you wonder. I wonder if he was like a, maybe he was like a big 18-year-old and he was afraid he wouldn't be able to take him him over. Do you know what I mean? maybe he didn't feel confident in being able to handle both people at once. Oh, maybe. 15-year-old Raymond King II was looking for work for the summer. On July 23rd, Clifford met the boy and told him he had work for him. There was no work, of course. Poor Raymond was raped and killed with some sort of instrument. 18-year-old Sigrun Arndt, visiting from Germany, was found dead. She had been raped and her body was left bloodied. Oh, my God. Like, these are all violent deaths. And some yeah. of them were done in a very person- in personal way, stabbing or strangling. I just don't understand. On July 27th, 15-year-old Terry Lynn Carson was waiting for a bus to take her home. Asshat spotted her and offered her a ride. Unfortunately, Terry decided riding in a car, uh, beat waiting for the bus, and got right in. So, especially back in the 80s, right? There was we were so way much way too lenient back then. There was hitchhiking, the 70s, the 60s, 70s, 80s, hitchhiking was definitely a thing. You know, Good Samaritan pulling up, offering you a ride. Unfortunately, this is how a lot of people lost their lives. Yeah, I hitchhiked a lot. Did you? I never did. <laughs> Her body was later found on the side of on the side of a river. She had been raped and strangled. So this is his mo, right? He rapes them, either strangles them, he or bludgeons them to death with a knife. Clifford's Clifford's last victim before getting caught was 15 year old Louise Chartrand. She was hitchhiking, trying to get to work on the evening of July 30th, 1981. Clifford picked her up, again, acting as if he just wanted to help a young person out. He drove the unsuspecting teenager to a gravel pit, did his thing, then killed her, smashing her head in with a hammer. Ugh. What Clifford didn't know was that he was already on the authorities' radar because he had a known history of sex crimes. So he's upping it, right? Now oh, he's yeah. slamming their hurt. Ugh. July 15th was the first time his name, Clifford, was the first time, excuse me, Clifford Olson's name was mentioned out loud by investigators when discussing all the missing teens and, was, and ones that were turning up dead. They thought they could make a case against him for the murder of Ada Court. In early August, during their investigation, the police made note of Clifford's driving habits. He would frequently use rental cars, turning around constantly, going down dead ends, and stopping every few minutes. Finally, all the surveillance of Clifford's habits paid off. So they they had been following him around and watching what he did. So he would rent, he would never use his own car. 
he would take rental cars, but he would just kind of like drive around aimlessly, drive down a street, stop, turn around, drive down another street, stop, turn around. Like he had no rhyme or reason. And I don't know if he maybe felt that they were watching him and he thought he was was like, I don't know. Clifford was seen picking up two teenage hitchhikers. This was enough for police to arrest him. So during the surveillance, he did just what he always did and picked people up. Investigators had gathered enough information during their investigation to charge Clifford with the murder of Judy Cosma. As soon as he knew he was caught, he got a hefty case of diarrhea of the mouth, (laughs) fully confessing to every single murder. By the end of 1981, the police knew how many teenagers he had killed, but still needed to know locations so that the families could have closure. Um, it's about to get really weird, guys. It hasn't been weird yet? Yeah. Law enforcement did something unheard of. Something that many people in the community were not happy about. A deal was made with Clifford. It was agreed that Clifford's wife would receive $100,000 in exchange for the location of the bodies that had not yet been found. What? This was coined the quote-unquote cash for bodies. I'd be pissed too. Yeah. Before the deal was made, Clifford made sure that all the cash for bodies money went to his wife. What a guy. Scumbag. Well, there was likely a reason for him wanting his wife, Joan, to receive this money. You see, she was standing by her man not believing he could do such heinous acts. So he wanted to keep her quiet, right? He, he didn't want them to say, you know, go and interview her and say there was no suspicious this, this, that. You know, he wanted to keep her happy. Let's just too say that. Too much of this is just, this is too much. I agree. This makes me sick thinking about. I agree. Due to this deal in January of 1982, Clifford retracted his not guilty plea and confessed to 11 murders. During the trial, Joan continued to stand by her husband. Was that me? Did I just kick something? Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> was that your foot or your leg? No, that was the, oh. a box just like cover falling over. I'm like, what? <laughs> sorry. I'm trying not to move my hands, so I guess I'm moving my feet. <laughs> <laughs> he was sentenced to um, as many concurrent life sentences, 25 years without the possibility of parole. He was sent to Canada's Super Maximum Security Special Handling Unit in Santa Ana de Plains, Quebec. Oh, they weren't fooling around, were they? Finally, though. But here's my question. Can we just, like, back up for a minute? Sure. Okay, all of a sudden, he's this hardened criminal who is so dangerous that he needs to be in a Super Maximum Security prison, Okay. What about when he was younger and he was escaping from prison and then they let to, let him be an informant right. and then he was known as to be sexually deviant in the jail system? Why? Well, I have the, the solution to all your problems. Castrate him? We just don't let him ever get to prison. I think, I think his pee-pee should be cut off. I think any... I personally, this is my personal opinion. I think if you are a male, now I don't know how, I don't know what you would do if it was a female that was the predator to make it the same. Oh, this thing do get cut off. I think if you are a male sexual predator pedophile and you rape and kill innocent people and children, your pee pee should be cut off. There's no uh, need for it. All right. So that is your opinion. That's your manhood. You got to walk around with no pee-pee now? We're all entitled to it. So it got me thinking. Yeah. I see some flaws in your plan. Okay. I 
remember back into the 80s, and we had a bunch of those old uh, war movies, and they would show how these uh, Vietnamese people would torture Americans and stuff like that. And a bunch of the other movies where they would see torture, and they would take, like, the skewers, and they would put them under your fingernails and up to your fingers. Yep. So here's my plan. You start with one of them bad Larrys right up the pee-pee hole. (gasps) Oh, so is this more of a slow? Yes. That way you can keep it. I like that length. again that we're in our forties calling it a PB or no, a PB hole. hole. Yeah, sorry, sorry. At length, if you get my drift, and then you you slowly start at the end, kind of like a. Um, you ever been to the delicatessen? Uh, oh where yeah. They slice your meat. Yes. You start at the end, and you you start. You know, you're not quite sure. If you want shaved or oh, or, or I thicker, like that thicker meat. So you start with a really, really thin stuff, and you just take a little bit off at a time. I like it. And you work your way down and keep you go and keep going, keep going. I like that. And I'm pretty sure by the time you get to the end, he may have learned his lesson. I like that if, you, if you're putting something down the peepee hole. What would be funny if you had someone there and they were like, "No, no, no, we need something much shorter. <laughs> we need something much shorter, more like more like a nail, more like the side of a nail." <laughs> We need one of those baby toothpicks. We need a baby toothpick. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think we both have good ideas. Yours is just a slower pain. Yeah, because that's what they should be. Yeah, I like it. I think uh, on the average, what do they say? Uh, The average tube of salami is what? Six inches, five to six inches. I don't know. I'll have to look it up. That should probably take about 24 hours to slice. I like that. Uh, Guys. I mean, I'm talking at the deli. Yeah, we're at the deli. At the deli, slicing the salami. Yeah. Should be about 24 hours. Guys, you let us know what you think should happen for a slow torture for people like this. Just on the case watch crime on the group, case. Yep. I think that they just, should just uh, kind of censor yourself a little bit so we don't get ourselves in trouble. Yeah. In the group. Yeah. You can like replace certain words like we like we like do. I just did. But, yeah. They know. They know. They're smart. They smart people. <laughs> this prison is a Canadian federal prison for men and is said to enclose the country's most dangerous criminals. In 1983, a Canadian politician named Gordon Taylor produced a bill in the House of Commons of Canada pleading for Clifford to be executed for the heinous crimes he yeah. committed. See, if they just had Mark on the board somewhere, and, and he, they could execute the salami slicing. Yeah, for all his heinous crimes. I mean, heinous crimes. Yes. Yes. Sorry, slip of the tongue. I don't That's know what right. happened there. <laughs> There were many that supported the bill, but it was ruled out and Clifford was set to serve his 11 life sentences. On July 14, 1982, after his trial during his sentencing, Justice McKay had this to say. My considered opinion is that you should never be granted parole for the remainder of your days. It would be foolhardy to let you at large. Clifford's wife, Joan, changed her mind about her husband's guilt when she was called to be a witness in a lawsuit set forth by the families of the known victims. The families took their lawsuit to the Supreme Court in October of 1984. They believed they were entitled to that money, not Joan. Oh, 
Oh, how quickly Joan changed her tune when she thought she was losing her money. Yeah, I like it. Whatever, Joan. Joan, get a life. <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with that. They ask that any of the leftover money go to them for the pain and suffering they have and will endure the rest of their lives. The Supreme Court saw a very different Joan than the one that was at Clifford's first trial. Or I don't know his what trial. that word is. What? Leftover money. I never have oh, any yeah. leftover money. I hear you. Like I have money and then I have money that I spend. Yeah. Or or you have money coming that's already been spoken for. <laughs> Correct. It's like, oh, when I get my check, it's going to this, this, and this. I think I think the masses can feel our pain. I'll be on my deathbed and be like, where are you leaving your money? And I'll go, what money? <laughs> it's true. Do you not know I have an Amazon addiction? Come on. I know you do. It makes me feel like really, really nice when a, the Amazon guy comes. And they now, they come numerous times a day. Not just once a day. Like, they, I don't know how they're doing their deliveries. Like, I literally... Had the Amazon guy, different ones, four times on last Wednesday. See, I wish they were the same guy. I think they would just load the truck trucks and be the same guy. So it could be like, like, look at the relationship that you have with your mailman now. Yes. Right? Yep. Like Mailman's great. I know. My Amazon guys, I don't know. Well, you don't, There's so many you, different ones. Yeah, you can't get to know them. You know what I used to love? And I haven't seen it in a long time. Maybe going back like seven years they like somebody would show up in like a beat up car and it would just have like an Amazon sticker on it. Like it was seven their years. own car. That was like seven months ago. Really? I, see, cause I haven't seen that in a while. Whenever the Amazon, whenever Amazon comes to my house now, it's the big truck. See, it says Amazon on it. Back in the day, I used to work for a company called Airborne Express. Yep. And they were talking 20 something years ago, maybe 25 years ago. I worked there and they're gone now, but it was a company like FedEx, UPS. We were like redheaded stepchildren. <laughs> And it was horrible, but you get to know all the people that you go to. Like I'd have business stops that I would go to every day and pick up packages. And oh yeah, flirt with the secretaries and shoot the crap with people. Flirt and... with the secretaries, of course you did. Of course, Mark's a big flirt, guys. Of course I am. It's it's, it's my it's my <laughs> what makes me me. Not to me. I'm his bro. You're my you're, you're my like, buddy over there. We're I can't like we're legit bros. <laughs> and then. Like you would get to know these people. You had the interpersonal relationships and now we don't have any. Of I that. know. That does make me sad, especially with like all the social media. That's why like I try my hardest to get back to people when they send a message. Yes. Because even though it's through social media, it's that personal connection that you have with people. You I know? get it. I get it because sometimes like I'll respond to somebody like they'll be like, I can't believe you sent something back to me. I'm yeah. Like, I'm just this douchebag who does a show with my I friend. know. It's funny when you think about it that way. It is funny. I, all these people who like and respect us, will you guys fill our friends and family in on how cool we really yeah, are? Yeah, they don't they care. they don't think we suck. No, they don't think we suck. They just don't really care. I but know, it's horrible. That said, they have to listen to us daily. Like, they yes. hear these voices daily, and I can understand why they may not want to hear them on air. Correct. <laughs> just saying. Guys, I'm a lot. <laughs> I'm kind of a lot. True story. I am a handful, in case you're wondering. Anyways, we'll we'll get back into the story now. Yes. So let's let's talk about good old Joan, who changed her tune when she thought she was going to lose her money. Ugh. First, she had changed her name back to her maiden name of Hale, seemingly not wanting anything to do with Clifford, but I'm sure she still enjoyed receiving that money. Right. When she was on the stand, she held a Bible tightly, crying. Oh, poor thing. She said her husband was physically abused, was a physically abusive alcoholic that threatened her on more than one occasion. 
that he was going to kill her. She admitted under oath that Clifford even told her that he was guilty. Oh, wouldn't that be perjury? Oh, no, because, well, the wife, husband yeah. thing. Stand by your man. <laughs> I was wondering when you were going to sing. I've sung a couple times this last couple episodes. Yeah, you got to sing the nude criminal. <laughs> you've been hit by, you've been struck by a nude criminal. I don't know. I just love the nude Charity, criminal. Charity, are you okay? No. Are you okay? Are you okay, Charity? No. I mean, I kind of want to see, I wanted to see the nude flasher at my favorite hiking spot. I still haven't seen him. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, stop. Wait a minute. Is it like Clark Kent? Yeah. I, he, I think he had a thing. No, this is what I'm saying. Oh. Nobody, I could say I'm Batman because nobody's ever seen Batman oh. and me in the same place. So are you the nude flasher? No, I'm not because it was said to be a man. Well, I mean, you could have worn, I mean, if, if somebody came up to me and said, are you Batman? I would say, nope. I mean, I can honestly say that I am not. Um, I. Who in the audience thinks that if Charity was the nude flasher, that what she would say was, it's not me. <laughs> She'd be breaking out in a shag. It wasn't me. <laughs> Caught me on camera. Wouldn't me. I can't. Okay, so Joan said that he admitted that he was guilty. He supposedly had this to say to her. What I can say, honey. What what can I say, honey? I did it. It was the booze and the pills. Come on, Clifford. Those damn booze and pills. They get you every time. I know, right? Joan did end up divorcing Clifford in 1985. In March of 1986, the Supreme Court ruled against the families, saying the cash for bodies money was given so they could lock in a confession and find the bodies of the victims for the grieving families. I think that's so wrong. Having to pay off a criminal? Why don't you just threaten them with more time or something or or put them in solitary confinement? Like, There's so many other things they could do. Do we not just listen to my meat slicer thing? Like, I mean, Yeah, there's so many things so you could have done. Different ways. I don't under- that would be um, cruel punishment, Mark. Do you know what he something did to these unlike people? something unlike the victims? Yeah, well, I have no problem when it's done to somebody who does that. I know. The Canadian Supreme Court wouldn't even think of hearing an appeal later the same year. Ugh, I don't understand that. They stood by their ruling. It almost seems like a case of this was our ruling. We kind of know it was bullshit. You know what? Shish, shish. Bullshit, and um, but we, it was our ruling, so we're standing by it. You know what I mean? We're the Supreme Court. We don't go back on things. Well, look at the people from the you know the West Memphis case, where they knew they were innocent this whole time, but they had to stick oh, to the, the story. Oh, the Memphis Three, or the otherwise they would be sued out. Has of anybody existence. has anybody seen that docu series? It's so. good. I want to watch it again because that me story too. just enthralls me. Those poor. Kids. They made those people sign away their rights to get out of prison. I know. So they didn't have to pay them. I don't understand. Uh, I do really feel sad for the families of the victims. Not that Joan didn't suffer at the hands of her husband, but at least she and her son were still alive to move on with their lives. Right? I mean... 100%. Let's talk a little bit about what Clifford's time in prison was like. Oh, boy. I mentioned earlier that he was sent to a maximum security prison for the worst of the worst, sickos. The name of the prison he was sent to in February of 1982 was Kingston Penitentiary. Penitentiary. Oh, it's one of my words. Penitentiary. Penitent. Penitentiary? Penitentiary. <laughs> All right. What I want everybody to do is to say five times really fast, 
I like to drink Worcestershire sauce on a cold day in February in the penitentiary. <laughs> All right, everybody, five times fast. You guys see his face and his hands. <laughs> I can't. He was sent to a special block for inmates that needed protection from other inmates. Oh, poor Clifford. Poor guy. So he had to spend 23 hours a day in his lonely little cell. Oh, I feel so bad for him. Yeah. I think they should have just let him roam around in the jail with all the other inmates. Whatever would be, would be. Right? I mean. I mean, definitely. You know how much money it costs to house a prisoner a year? It's a lot of money. Yep. That's why I say let's bring back Douchebag Island. Just ship them all there. Um, well, Clifford was not happy about living that way. He was very mad. He pleaded to be transferred to a different prison a total of five times within seven years. He even tried to fool the police by telling them, telling them that he was involved in other unsolved murders, telling them he would start talking if they transferred him. Oh, a little bit too little too late, dude. Right. Sorry. No more informants for you. When the police realized he was lying, he was forced to stay in his lonely little cell. It's been said that Clifford became obsessed with religion and his legal problems. I mean, what else are you going to do if you're by yourself for 23 hours? I know. I was going to say. It's kind of funny. Poor Clifford left alone with his obsessional, with his obsessive thoughts. The one hour that he was let out of his cell, he sent obsessively running in the yard. <laughs> He did this every day, and because of the crazy running outside, he was in great physical con condition and said to be quite tan. <laughs> I like that that was noted. <laughs> I miss makes me shake my head. Like, I know. Why? This tan, jacked dude who can't do anything but run for an hour a day. His special safety block was shut down, and Clifford was sent to a different block and put into a special cell to keep him safe. Who the heck cares if this ass had a safe? I know. I'm like, like, why, why are they trying concern? to keep him safe? There was even plexiglass covering his cell. Thinking of all the money that could have been saved by letting him roam around the jail. Just think about it. Wouldn't even need to house him anymore because someone would have taken him out. I th Like I said, problems solve themselves. Well, Clifford used his alone time to start writing about his horrific sex crimes and murders. He also used his time to write horrible, threatening letters to some of the victims' families. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Thank goodness he was caught and stopped. Uh, did you just do the Kool-Aid man? What? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This guy is so annoying. I feel bad um, that prison employees, that the prison employees had to deal with um, his constant typing and mailing letters. So they said all they could hear is... <laughs> I don't, I, I don't understand why one of them just, like, didn't leave the door unlocked. Like, oh, sorry. Oops. Sorry. I didn't mean to let the biker gang in here. Poor Clifford even tried to escape. But guess what? I'm going to say he did not. Yeah. Well, another attempt, he started complaining about pains in his back and finally asked for medical attention. He was securely taken to a local hospital to get some x-rays. Would you like to know what was seen in the x-rays? Now I got me, my interest spiked. Oh my God, in this case I, I researched so long ago, I totally forgot about this. Oh, this is good. The pictures revealed a key wedged up into Clifford's rectum. Um, okay, thinking about this. 
This key was a handcuff key he had stolen from a guard. I wonder if that bitch came out as easily as it went in. Oh. <laughs> the key to his heart right there, guys. Oh, can you imagine? I can't. I, you know what? I want to get an ER person to come on here and speak, either a nurse or somebody. to Tell us the weird, the weirdest crap without using, of course, any names of things that have happened. Oh, we would be. Oh, we'd love it. We could do a whole episode on it. Funny haha for hours. Oh, my God. I would love that. Due to over 10 years of weird and annoying bad behavior, the attempted escape was the last straw. It was dis- so he, he com- think about this, how stupid this was of him. Knowing he had a key shoved up his a-hole, he said he was in pain and wanted x-rays. What did he think the x-rays were going to show? They were going to show the key in his rectum. <laughs> oh, nobody said he was smart. Dumbass. It was decided that Clifford be sent to the special handling unit in the maximum security federal prison in Prince Albert. Do you know what a Prince Albert is? I do. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I've heard it's very painful. Yeah. I don't know why they named it that. <laughs> I don't think I want to know. I mean, I kind of do. I'll look it up later. I'm sure it'll just come up in my news feed anyways. <laughs> yeah. Now that all of our phones. Thank you. You're welcome. You're everybody welcome, everyone. <laughs> Clifford kept trying to get parole over the years, saying that he was being mistreated by the prison. What a crybaby. Luckily, none of his attempts worked, and the facility closed in 1997, and Clifford was sent back to the maximum security prison in Anna de, Pla- de-, de Plains. <laughs> Use your words, Sherry. I, I try. Every time you say Clifford, I'm distracted. Because the, the big red dog. And he was so cute. This Clifford, not cute. His last time in front of the parole board was in 2010. He was denied again, thank goodness, because this this evil piece of crap deserves at, at the least a miserable life in prison. Clifford continued hating his time in prison, and in September of 2011, it was reported that he had terminal cancer. Oh, poor guy! That's so bad. He became so sick he had to be transferred to a hospital in Quebec. He died on September 30th, 2011. He was 71 years old at the time of his death. Is it wrong for me to hope he suffered a lot before he died? Just like he made his victims suffer? I hope he had like all the horrible things that come with cancer. All of them. It's it's nice to hear when a horrible person gets cancer. I hate when you hear a lovely person suffering. It's bad when a good person gets it. Horrible. Clifford is referred to as, quote unquote, the beast of British Columbia. Some believe he was Canada's first real life boogeyman. I want to end this episode by reciting the names of Clifford's known victims because they need to be heard. Correct. Okay. So we have, these are just the known ones and it's been said that there was probably a lot more. 12 year old Christine Weller, 13 year old Colleen Denault. Did I say it right that time? Daniel. Daniel. 15 year old Darren Johnsrud, 16 year old Sandra Wolfsteiner and 13 year old Ada Court. Nine-year-old Simon Partington, 14-year-old Judy Cosma, 15-year-old Raymond King, 14-year-old Sigrun Arndt, who was just visiting from Germany, 15-year-old Terry Lynn Carson, and 17-year-old Louise Chartrand. So these poor, they were just kids, really. I mean, just starting out, you know, little 17-year-old Louise was probably getting ready to graduate high school. I just... I don't know. These crimes like this really. And it's like you think you're going to run out of cases. 
No. No, look at what we just covered last episode. Yeah. They're present day, still going at it. It sucks. It's horrible. It really does. So I want to thank people that keep sending cases. I don't forget about them. I just kind of put them and then go back to them and decide whether I'm going to research or not. So I do appreciate them. People sending us cases and current cases and funny stuff and all sorts of things. And let's thank the creeps because the yes. crime creep page is so much fun. I love all the creeps. I do too. They always come through and brighten my day. Thank God. Thank Somebody God. does, right? I know. All right. Well, great case. Horrible douchebag. We've yep. had two douchebags in, in two weeks. Yeah. I wish we could come up with a better one, but unfortunately, it's kind of what we Actually, do on we have show. had three douchebags. Well, actually, if you count the husband and wife, two, How many three, cases have we done? Four. We have hundreds of douchebags at oh, this point. Oh, we've got hundreds of douchebags at this point. Yep. Still my funniest triple D that you've ever done, and I still laugh when I think about it, was the guy who was huffing the ashes. Oh, the dead ash, because he thought it was coke. It would, No, it was a group of them. It was like three of them. I cannot stop laughing Yeah, they broke that. in because they thought, I know. Oh, there's never lack of triple D's, guys. I find those things, and I just, oof, they're so good. All right, text and voicemail line, because apparently Cherry doesn't like it when I do my own voicemails. 603-212-4600. (laughs) I had to look at the list real quick. I don't call the number very often. I don't even know my cell phone number. Oh, maybe somebody who is close to the podcast might call in and leave a positive charity voicemail. Just saying. You're probably going to have Kristen do it. I'll be like, you'll be like, hey, did any voicemails come in? I'll be like, nope. <laughs> All right, guys. See you on the next one. Bye, guys. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.